Welcome in to We Talk Facts with nine-year NBA veteran and Nebraska basketball Hall of Famer Eric Strickland and two-time Nebraska football national champion Lester Johnson. Talking shh and taking names in sports and day-to-day living. Sit back, relax, and join the show with nine-year NBA vet and Nebraska basketball Hall of Famer Eric Strickland and two-time Nebraska football national champion, Clester Johnson. All right, welcome to another segment of WTF. We talk facts, Eastrick and Clester Johnson here with Harrison Arns on the ones and twos, our guy. He's the one that's with us. We appreciate you, Harrison, for being here on a Thursday evening. Every Thursday evening, you can find us here 6 to 7 p.m., we talk facts. Yeah, nice to get you guys in the studio again. Yeah, yes. yeah. Yes. I'm happy. Well, we'll see. You, this, this is a busy man. You know? <laughs> it is so, a busy man. You know, he does big things. What? I, you know, huh? You talking more? He does big things. He stays. I mean, I'm just trying to. You know, I'm just trying to rub two nickels <laughs> together. You know, you know, in that heading, there were some things left out. There were some things left out, Harrison, in, in that heading in that show. You know, 91 athlete of the year. I was the Nebraska Black. <laughs> I'm inducted in the Nebraska Black Hall of Fame. That's like there's fact. some things that, that need to be added. You know, first team All State football. Uh-huh. You know? uh-huh. There's a character limit. Let, 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 let the Cornhuskers in receiving in, in the national championship. You know, what? if we read accolades, that take up the whole show. That's a fact. You know, you are. That's facts. Bellevue leader. Bellevue leader, athlete of the year mm-hmm. for football and wrestling and track. Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, don't, don't shortchange me we ain't gonna <laughs> on my accolades. You. I ain't nothing. Okay, you ain't nothing. Nothing. Don't even start. Hey, look, we don't got, even let we me. We do re- got three nine nine four saying Stricky, you the damn man. So. <laughs> right, there you three, go. Three, three, nine, four, <laughs> there you Stricky, go. Love you, man. Appreciate you for Preach. tuning in for WTF. We talk facts. Hey, listen, we got a good, uh, good, good segment of show for you today. We're going to talk a little bit about a topic that I think is very interesting, dealing with coaching. Um, and we're going to dig into this. What we're going to do is we're going to start creating topics and we're going to build on them. And so today we're going to introduce it and then we'll talk a little bit about the Huskers. And it looks like Cluster Johnson is rolling along with his prediction. Look, you know, a little ahead of his prediction because of uh, the Illinois game. It looks like uh, is what's kind of putting you ahead of the curve as far as what you don't hate me for it. We're not going to hate you for it. We're going to love you for it because the Huskers are. Uh, despite what most people would have thought mm-hmm. at this point of time is is definitely ahead of themselves as far as where they are in position. Yeah. It goes back to this one time before we jump into the subject as well. I look at it from a standpoint of the Huskers are learning a lot of lessons. They're gleaning, they're growing, they're getting better, and the adversity that they're finding themselves in they're able to navigate through them. So I will say I will give them kudos for that, but definitely for the coaching staff as well. But here we are again in a position class, mm-hmm. which we'll get in on the next segment. We'll dig into this, but I'll let you touch it. Um, in a position for them to do something magnanimous outside of what most would have expected, outside of what even probably themselves <laughs> believed that could accomplish, but now I think they're believing. But they can actually go into a potential uh, Big Ten championship game. They can potentially win the win. No one. Nobody saw they're, they're, they're in a position. And they were here last year with an opportunity, and they, they, they dropped the ball. So they, we're, we're going to see how that goes. Yes. I think that 
one of the things we talked about a few weeks ago, long, long, long time ago, long, 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 long. It's been a while. You know, we ain't been in the studio. I feel like it's been a minute since we've been in the studio. But usually when we look at the schedule, when they print those schedules out, when you hang it up on the wall and you put in the scores after the game, at the very bottom it used to say what? Bowl game. It was just automatic. They put bowl game. And now, lately, over the last few years, it hasn't been, seen it. hadn't been bowl game. So this weekend, it's just really weird that it's been that long since we've been to a bowl game. Mm. Like, it's pretty un- unbelievable. I think we had – that was one of the NCAA re- records that we had. I think we had like 40 years in a row that we went to a bowl and then it was broken. Um, but this weekend – I mean, I can't even tell you how many people I spoke to at the beginning of the year that says if this team can win three or four games, that that's a huge plus for this new coach. And we still have, what, four games left? Five? Uh, four? You have, you have Maryland. You have uh, Wisconsin. Michigan State. Michigan State Iowa. and Iowa. There's four left. Yeah. With, you mean, if we can't get one out of four, I mean, we're going to – listen, guys, you got to speak it into the air. We're going to a bowl game this year, mm-hmm. all right? It, now it's about which bowl we're going to go to. Now it's about can we even get it further ahead than we even thought in making it to the Big Ten Championship? Yeah. Like yeah. nobody nobody no was ever speculating that. on that. And I think it leads to the discussion that we want to have today about coaching. And if coaches care about their players and if, Coaches make a huge difference in a in a in a in a player's life. You know that was that's part of what the subject matter is, was, was. It's going to be about today, but yeah, um, we will touch a little bit more on the Huskers. You know, in some of our other sessions, but I just wanted to say, man, it's it's uh it's been such a long time that we've been in this this space that man, we got a shot to to go to a bowl game, no doubt, no doubt. So to have a winning record. <laughs> Yeah. So, well, here's the thing about coaching is 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 there, there's different levels to this thing, right? And I think as we look back in our past or into our histories, there there are some coaches that had some influence on us. I, I've got to be honest. Um, for my father to be a, an Air Force officer and still be able to take the time uh, to want to get out and coach me, he coached me in baseball, he coached me in football. Um, I also got to see the difference in the way that he coached me compared to other people. It was a lot harder on me, which, you know, I could appreciate now that as I look back on it, but what makes a good coach, whether it be at the, at the, there's different levels to this, right? There's, you, you know, definitely you're going to start at the youth level. You move up into whatever the junior high levels are, then to high school, you go to collegiate and then you find yourself into whatever professional realm that is semi-pro Pro, whatever, right? Let's break it down, E. Here's where I want you to start, because I, I like I like how you broke that down. As a youth, little league, pop Warner, however, however you wanna, whatever you wanna call it, whatever you called it when you grew up. How do you feel like those coaches? How should they treat those players? What 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 is what would be your expectation as a father, mother, putting your kids in little league? How do you think these coaches can have an impact on those kids? Well, first, let me say, I think there is a difference between some 
how some coaches coached us when we were young to where it is now. This gets into the differentiation, I think, of what is really behind the coach. But I'm going to answer your question now. You know, are the coaches really doing it for these specific reasons that I'm about to share? Or are they doing it for other ulterior reasons that can benefit really themselves? Because you're seeing sometimes now high school coaches, for example, are putting themselves in position to use the talent pool that they're able to assimilate and put themselves in a position to escalate into another realm of coaching. Now, I'm, 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 I'm not saying that's always the case, but I'm going to answer your question now. Um, a good youth, youth coach, I believe, is someone that is able to engage uh, and relate with young people. So it, it is, it, there's a psychology behind it. There's, there's, there's a patience behind it. Someone that's willing to be reflective, um, that has a continuation to want to learn and develop not only themselves, but to express and ex impress that to those to whom they're coaching. So a youth coach, uh, I think, needs certain types of skills. They have to develop those skills. They have to learn those skills in, in, in whatever the, the area is. And coming with that, I think they have to be kind. I think they have to be reliable. Because one of the things that for my coaches that at a youth age – they would come pick me up if I didn't have a ride. And they were there always on time. I actually went back to Alabama and got a chance to see one of my youth coaches that helped me in the baseball set. I think they have to be empathetic. I think they have to be non-judgmental. I think they have to uh, maintain certain boundaries, not to uh, overextend themselves and find themselves in those things. I think they have to be empowering. I think they have to offer support as well as challenge. So there's a balance between it. Not, you know, you see coaches today doing certain things that maybe go beyond the boundaries as mm -hmm. well as above that point. I think they have to be flexible and adaptable. I think they have to always be willing, as I said, to learn and grow and have a positive outlook with the hope and the belief that these young people are able to grow and develop and push them to do so without uh, any hindrances that they would impose upon them. I agree with everything you said wholeheartedly. I was waiting for one more thing to come through. Yeah. Which I think is the basis of it all. It's fun. Mm. You have to make yeah. sure these kids are having fun. Because what I noticed and what I've saw, what I've seen over the years is if these kids feel like it's a job, because when you get to college, it's starting it's to job. feel that way. Yeah. You better have, you have passion by that time in, in college. Like, each player is starting to kind of have some passion for the sport. So, therefore, they're going to accept how tough it's going to be, how tired you are. They're going to start – you're going to start to accept some things because by now you're like, okay, I'm in the big leagues, and, and, and it's not always fun. I think when you look back on college and when you're going through practice and, and dealing with school and, and film, and like it's not always fun, but as a youth – and able in order for these kids to continue all the way through when they and they want to play, I think they need to be having fun. Obviously, you want to learn some of the basic fundamentals, but the number one thing is fun. How many youth coaches have you seen out there acting like these kids are playing pro ball right now? Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, overly serious. And. You mm -hmm. know how many kids you can just get out of here after after this season's over? Like kid yeah. is like, uh, I'm not yeah. sure I want to yeah. do this sport anymore, right? Yeah. So I, 
as a youth coach, I always felt like I needed to make sure the kids saw the joy in me. Mm -hmm. They saw the joy in me. Mm -hmm. And I put the joy in them. That, that's, that to me is number one. Because at some point, it's going to get serious. But when you first start off, you need to have some, you need to have fun. One of the things is, let's just stay with the youth today. Um, when you're dealing with youth, how do you identify what is success? And, um, you know, obviously you don't ever want to impose failure, but you also want to let them know that you can fall down or you can come up short, but that doesn't mean that it's over or it's done. You can always get better. you got to get up and, and get back in the fight or get up and get back in the game. You struck out, get up, get, take the bat and go back again. So there's lessons to be learned in that. But, but how do you assess success as a youth coach without making it right. so serious yeah. and not fun? I think, and I'm just going off of my own experience. I think as a athlete and you as an athlete, and you're going to agree with me with what I say here. When you get a bunch of kids together and you guys started, start doing activities, you will start to recognize who has talent. Okay. Like right away. Yeah. You'll start to recognize. Yeah, there'll, there'll, there'll be a, yeah. There's a hierarchy. Yeah. Of talent mm -hmm. on your team. Like you'll be able to say, yeah, these are my best five. Here's the next group. And then here's the next group. Right. Yeah. So your expectation level for each kid might be a little bit different. What you say to different so kids. So it can't be cookie cutter. No. It, you got to be able to Absolutely. work with them. Okay. I, I got like you. I'm feeling you. I like that. Yeah. You cannot have a cookie cutter approach to all your athletes. Yeah. You got to be able to learn how to motivate each guy and celebrate the small wins from when you each group, each group. Yeah. Each group. Yeah. I like, uh, you can't expect this guy, these, this last group to perform like your stars. Right. So your stars, obviously you may coach them a little harder because mm -hmm. things are really easy for them. So you may do some things that are a little bit different for them than you will do for other kids mm -hmm. and, and, and on and on. And I've seen kids where if you took this group away, this next group stepped up and became that top group. Mm. So um, that's where I've seen kids elevate. They've elevated their talent when eventually when the coach starts to say, I, I expect a little bit more out of you. I believe in you now. You're better than what you're showing. Mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. those are it's just how you use these terms right it's how you use these terms a lot of those things that you said e being patient you know being reliable you will earn the right to say certain things to these kids only thing that's a little bit different today now you than, have a lot of than, ralph transvance out there than what you say oh yeah you do and when i say ralph transvance that means Very a lot of sensitivity <laughs> A lot of sensitivity going on. <laughs> but what's a little bit different these days is like picking up kids, doing some of that stuff. Uh, we have to be very careful. Yeah. We got to be very careful these days of yeah. your interaction with kids. That's a fact. Um, so, you know, we don't need to expand on that anymore, but you just got to be very careful these days that everybody stays very safe and everything is transparent. Yeah, I think you guys are hitting it on the hammer there. I will say I'm a little curious, like, you guys are talking about like the hierarchy of youth sports. Like, how young are we talking here? Well, 
It, like, it starts to it starts to shape itself. Yeah, I think, absolutely. I think from it I, does. I would say from the age of seven. Yeah, yeah. I would just say uh, don't try not to get too lost in the hierarchy because you know you're still at a point where like yeah you're gonna you got your best players you're gonna push them harder but Yale's got a bunch of coaches that you know at that level. I'm still a big believer. Just get everyone involved. You know, even absolutely. Like when the best, you got to get everybody yeah. involved because you For don't sure. know they're going to grow into it. The biggest yeah. thing is, you know, if that kid really loves the sport and you're being, you're doing the right thing as a coach, mm-hmm. like that should just naturally happen. And where you know, pretty soon he'll be asking you questions. You know, like, hey, can I do this X, Y, and Z to get better? And I think it's kind of like an organic thing at yeah. that youth level. I think it's definitely just let everyone kind of get out there. You're obviously going to have your better groups at the top. Uh, but nonetheless, I think you're just trying to get that passion for the sport. You got to give it everybody involved. I believe mm-hmm. that. But the tough thing I've noticed about youth sports is the kids that are pushed out there and they do not want to be out there. <laughs> That's a good point. They're not ready to be out yeah. there. They're standing out there looking at, at the sideline like, I, I, I'm not sure I want to do this, Pops. <laughs> yeah. So... We have to I be gotta very add on to that before. We got to be very delicate yeah, that's, that's with how, really we, how we treat those <laughs> kids. But see, here's here's the beauty of of what both of you are saying is these groupings. You then have to learn how to commingle those non, um, you know, level high level groups with mm-hmm. the high level, and then teach the high level group. Uh, not about frustration, but about leadership. Mm. So you teach them how to lead this group so that this group can become better. It's it's the same philosophy as brother, sister, brother, brother, age, they're watching you. How you then operate would then can help determine how they want to become better, how they even begin to walk how maybe they may talk faster, mm-hmm. how when they're eating at the table, they're watching and they're observing. And so it's a similar concept, I think, because if you put the right top tier group meshed with a combination of the other groups, then they don't they can hide, but they can still be used. And then you have to teach them how to incorporate and use them instead of taking over and just trying to do it all yourself. Yeah, there's definitely that's the, that's the facilitation of coach. Yeah, the reason yeah, yeah. why I brought that up is because I just remember a Pee Wee game. Obviously, I won't say the people involved, but I just remember this kid. It was the championship game, uh, but he was definitely like he could play. He wasn't the best player, right. uh, but didn't step on the court. And mm. it's you know for like a third grade basketball trophy, and uh, the kid didn't play basketball after that. And it was one of those things where I was like. I don't know at that point, like at that age group where you just, that kid just gets iced and everyone yeah. else plays. And let me, I want to add, we, we good on time so far? We good on time? Yeah, we can go like a couple more minutes. One more thing I want to add to this particular topic. A good youth coach also communicates well with the parents. Okay. Mm-hmm. We have Setting to, expectations. We have to manage expectations. That's a, that's a fact. We have to let these parents know, hey, Here's where your child is. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm trying to do. We gotta That's understand. Good, we gotta understand that that this is like their first time out here. You know what I've noticed? Like I got my I got a little son playing basketball, and I do a lot with him. Right? We we do stuff outside of right. him playing the games. Right? Yeah. But I can also see the parents that have done nothing with the with these kids. Right? They've never even bounced the basketball. And so you can see the different levels of what these parents think and what they what they think should happen out there. 
So I think a good, like I said, a good youth coach has to be able to go to the parent and manage expectations and communicate with them so that they're not thinking you're not helping the kid or or uh, you're only paying attention to this type of kid or whatever. As long as you're communicating and letting them know. And then you can get information from the parent too. Like, hey, this is what's happening. What do you think? You know, how does he respond in these situations, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. just wanted to add that. That's good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, great segment. Uh, We'll come back and we'll talk a little bit. And we're going to build on this. This is not... The last time we have this discussion, I think we'll build on this topic. Because we were just in youth sports. Yeah, we were just in I mean, youth. we didn't get we'll to junior high, high school, I'm curious college. how you guys would answer to the question. You've talked about it before a little bit, but, you know, my kid's next. <laughs> as mm-hmm. your guys' experience, you know, how would you even handle that as a youth coach? Because, unfortunately, that comes up a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah and there's no doubt about it. But we're going to come back and talk about the upcoming game with Michigan State right after this on WTF We Talk Facts. We'll be right back.